You're listening to a podcast miniseries on artificial intelligence from McKinsey, featuring conversations with a wide range of experts in the field. Artificial intelligence. There's no shortage of predictions about how it could fundamentally change the way we live and work. Over the last few years, companies around the world have been figuring out exactly how AI technologies can improve their performance in a number of areas across their business. But is AI actually delivering significant results? Moreover, what can we expect to see as we move into a new decade of AI use and development? I'm David DeLalo with McKinsey Publishing, and to answer some of these questions today, I'm joined by Michael Chewy, a McKinsey partner with the McKinsey Global Institute, who's based in our San Francisco office, and associate partner Bryce Hall from our DC office. Both have been doing plenty of work with businesses on AI and have also conducted a good amount of research in this space. So Bryce and Michael, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks, David. So I think to start off, it would be great to get a a bit of a lay of the land here. Michael, maybe you can start answering the first question in terms of where are we today overall in terms of adoption of AI across businesses? Well, we've been fortunate to be working with the McKinsey uh, quarterly to survey thousands of different executives um, around the world in their use of AI. In fact, our most recent survey, we uh, received responses from 2,300 executives globally. And what we did see were significant increases in adoption levels of AI basically throughout the world, whether it's um, you know, North America or Europe, uh, Asia Pacific, Latin America. And in you know, Asia Pacific and Latin America, the shares of respondents who say their companies have embedded AI across multiple functions or business units nearly doubled since the previous survey. So when we look across all of these regions, even China, um, we actually see similar aggregate reported levels of uh, adoption. Um, even though there's lots of variation within countries and across countries, Um, from individual respondents. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, overall, this research showing that we're seeing significant growth in AI adoption, uh, you know, across the board, we we saw nearly 25% year over year increase in the use of AI in standard business processes. We've moved beyond the the phase of is AI a shiny object towards more broader mainstream adoption and actual actual value creation. What are some differences that we see across companies in terms of where they seem to be placing their AI investments? So, um, you know, one of the things that we've discovered is uh, the broad applicability of this technology across every sector and function. Um, what we do find is that companies that are able to drive the most value from certain use cases are in fact most likely to be deploying AI within those use cases. So for instance, uh, companies that drive a lot of their value from top line levers, marketing and sales, whether it's uh, consumer companies, for instance, um, there we see you know more investments, more experiments, and more value, quite frankly, uh, being captured by those types of companies in uh, marketing and sales, whether it's um, you know better segmentation, uh, more personalized offerings, and, and uh, you know other things of that sort. Uh, conversely, we also see some companies who drive a lot of their value from um, call it bottom line or operational levers. And that's, in fact, where a lot of those companies are, in, fa- in fact, investing. So whether it's improving their logistics function, uh, whether it's being able to reduce their inventory, increase their inventory turns, you know, all of those sorts of things, increasing OEE, those are the types of uh, use cases which um, companies for whom those are important have actually started to invest and, in fact, have, have been capturing value on the cost side. 
You know, one of the other things that's interesting is I think we're very early in this trend. As much as we're seeing this growth in adoption, um, you know, less than a third of the companies that we surveyed actually have deployed AI in multiple businesses or, or uh, functions. And so there's a lot of growth, um, additional growth to be done, given that, you know, that AI can create value all across the business. So 30% of businesses have adopted AI across multiple areas in their company. Did you, Michael, find that number to be higher than you expected, lower than you expected, right on target? Well, you know, it, it's it's funny. There's so much hype about AI. I think you could easily have expected, um, you know, people to think that there'd be a lot more adoption. But we also know from our studies of, uh, you know, doing work across many different technologies that, that it's hard work to... Um, to deploy technology within an organization, not only because the technology problems are hard, but the change management is really hard. So, um, you know, I think it's in some ways not surprising that, in fact, there's so much additional opportunity here. Um, and we certainly know lots of companies that are going after that opportunity. But it is it is real hard work. Um, there's, there's a reason why uh, this doesn't happen faster. So, Bryce, I know you've done a lot of work with companies in helping them identify best practices to deploy this technology across business. And I, I believe we looked at some of that in the survey, uh, wondering if you can kind of comment to some of the ways that you're finding companies are able to kind of embed this more easily across their business. Absolutely. Overall, based on this research, and in fact, every single one of the companies we've worked with in analytics, adoption of analytics and analytics transformation, AI adoption, it's never just a technology challenge. And so all of these core practices that we've identified, one of the things that's been uh, interesting about this research is the consistency in these core practices when we look at the AI high performers. There are a set of things that they have learned to do particularly well, and they anchor on core elements of aligning an AI strategy to business goals, making sure that that is linked to an overall business strategy a set of core competencies around AI talent and doubling down on investing in current employees and upskilling them and training them in, in creating analytics and AI academies. Another around internal collaboration and having processes in place to bring uh, business leaders, technologists, data scientists together to identify where, uh, where there are um, collaboration opportunities, but then to actually make it far more likely that the AI technology is actually generate business value. A set of core competencies around uh, establishing a clear data strategy, around data governance, clear repeatable protocols and methodologies to be able to get from a pr concept to proving the concept and then scaling it across the organization. So the whole set of, of specific core competencies around adoption and scaling, we're seeing companies in, investing tremendously in that. This distinction between companies that are high performing, actually capturing the most top line and bottom line value from AI, you know, the difference between those that are high performing versus those that aren't on those core practices that Bryce mentioned are often, you know, 2x more likely, 4x more likely uh, to do things like, you know, being able to align their AI strategy with their overall corporate strategy. These practices, we know they're important uh, because how much more likely it is that those that have great results are actually doing them. Um, and there's, it's just far and away a, a different level. That does suggest for all of these other companies that have dipped their toe in the water or are capturing value from one use case to, or another, there are a set of things that they'll need to do in order to be able to scale their impact you know, from that you know, individual use case to really having um, you know, organization-wide 
a competitive advantage from AI. When we're talking about results at this stage of the game, what exactly are the returns that companies are seeing right now? So we asked individual respondents how much value are they capturing from individual use cases, uh, either in terms of you know, increased uh, top line revenue or uh, you know decreased costs. Um, and basically, our, our overall result is that you know for companies that have adopted an individual use case, they generally, in fact, do see um, uh, reportable improvements either on, on, on uh, top line or on bottom line, depending on what they were, you know, what the lever or what the use case is meant to capture. Um, that said, you know, the, the much of the results are, um, you know, in the either one to five uh, percent range uh, or, you know, six to 10 percent range on the, on the top line, um, sometimes slightly greater on the bottom line. Uh, but those are material differences, um, you know, when you scale them up to the, to the size of, uh, you know, of, of a large company. So, um, we are seeing real material impact uh, from adopting AI um, in these individual use cases. And we could give a couple examples, too, of companies we've worked with that have done this particularly well, where we see higher levels of impact. It has involved this, this transformation from a, a use case mindset to one that looks across the entire business and really starts with uh, a, a domain mapping view. So, for example, we worked with a major airline recently on a project that started with looking across the main domains of their business. So fleet optimization, pricing, cargo, for example. And it really started with a value at stake mapping of where is their potential value from AI and from analytics and technologies broadly. And then the result of that becomes a portfolio of use cases and initiatives that can then target that value. And one by one, domain by domain, in launching those sets of that portfolio of use cases ends up capturing more value because it's targeted. Um, the team of people, the data um, is consistent across that domain of the business, and it's it's quicker line of sight to actually capturing the value than an approach that targets individual use cases across the entire company. Another thing I want to dig into here are the the specific technologies that enable AI. Right? Did we see any? differences between our research um, this past year and previous research in terms of the types of technologies that companies are deploying? Are they becoming more sophisticated in the technologies that they're using? Are we, are, is everybody using something similar? Are there many differences? Again, um, you know, much like you know, we noticed in terms of which use cases are deployed, uh, the actual specific technology capabilities um, that different companies are employing within different industries uh, tend to be suited uh, towards where the value is in those industries. Uh, so take, for example, um, you know, manufacturing industries, whether it's in automotive or consumer packaged goods, um, uh, pharma, for instance, that's where we see more deployment of physical robotics. Um, you know, complementary um, or conversely, in in industries where there are lots of uh, customer service required, uh, whether it's high-tech, telecom, uh, financial services, we see more natural language understanding both text as well as speech uh, being deployed. So I think overall, uh, the trends that we see are increased adoption overall, uh, and then a matching of investment or deployment um, you know, with the types of activities uh, that are most prominent within these industries. And to build on that, we also we, not only do we see increase in adoption of these AI capabilities 
overall across sectors, but we see increasingly sophisticated AI capabilities being adopted. So natural language text understanding, so the ability to understand what someone has typed or written is less complicated inherently than understanding the spoken word and speech understanding. It's th those are less complicated than in, in allowing computers to generate natural language for, for customer service and other applications. And so we increasingly see broadest applications of natural, lex, natural language text understanding and increasingly starting to see adoption more broadly of, of uh, speech understanding, of, of actual language generation. And as those become more sophisticated, uh, it will open up other opportunities that will continue to see those adopted and scaled. Yeah, I mean, if I could just add, yeah. Um, there are a number of... Uh, frontier technologies or frontier techniques in AI, which um, are very interesting in the lab, uh, but we don't see a lot of uh, deployments, um, you know, for business value. So things such as uh, reinforcement learning, terrifically good at um, being able to train machines to play computer games better or all kinds of games better, but, um, you know, not as obvious uh, how much uh, value that can create in the world, but we do see some companies that are trying to use some of those te techniques more uh, in order to do optimization problems, in order to try to do uh, robot learning problems. So, again, it's it's early days there. Similarly, on um, you know on GANs, uh, generative adversarial networks, um, you know, very interesting you know abilities to you know create pictures of uh, scenes, whether it's people or architecture that never existed before. Uh, but now some more additional thought being done about, you know, th so that's an interesting, you know, uh, capability. Can that actually be used in business? Can that be used for, um, you know, creating uh, images for advertising that don't require you to, to license a, an image, a stock image, um, because it was just generated by GAN? So, you know, there's some of those things which are, you know, getting from the lab, um, trying to figure out how to get from the lab in, in, into, um, you know, into business. Right. And one one use I've seen of GANs, and I think, again, early days, but uh, beginning to be looked at more, is using it to create synthetic data. Is that something that we're, we've seen happening yet? Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, a, a huge problem, as, 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 as folks know, in, in deep learning is having you know, a sufficient um, and representative uh, you know, set of uh, training data. And so uh, you know, because GANs can be used to generate you know, new data, you could create training sets using GANs. Now, of course, you you always have to be careful there because, you know, it, much as, you know, there can be bias within, uh, you know, quote, data sets from the real world, of course, GANs also, um, you know, can, can um, you know, inherently create patterns within the data which you might or might not want. And so, um, you know, that's it. there's a, lots of work to be done there. Um, but, yeah, in, in fact, because GANs create new data, um, you could, again, create synthetic data um, that can be used for training. Yes, that was another point I wanted to touch on here. As there's more deployment of AI happening and more sophisticated uses, um, you know, we are seeing some unintended consequences coming out of those. Are we seeing companies becoming more aware of those risks and addressing those risks? Well, it was interesting. In this research, we asked respondents to identify which risks are relevant and then which risks they have mitigated. And across a certain set of risks like cybersecurity, explainability, regulatory compliance, and others, among all respondents, we still see a 
significant delta between respondents who say at their company they've identified a relevant risk but then have actually successfully been able to mitigate it. Um, that is much lower. There's much lower difference in that number if we look at just the AI high performers. Typically, the AI high performers then have identified cybersecurity and explainability risks and others and then been able to successfully mitigate that risk. Anything to add, Michael? You know, if I could just add, yeah, if I could just add, you know, those of us in the field, um, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion about a number of these risks, whether it's explainability, whether it's unintended bias, um, you know, privacy, all those sorts of things. And so I think it'd be easy to assume that, in fact, you know, all the companies that are deploying AI or the all the organizations that are deploying AI have this all in hand. They all understand what the relevant risks are, and they're all working to mitigate them. What was surprising to me is if, if you, you know, when we actually looked at the, you know, our responses, um, in fact, across all of these different risks that we identified, you know, from cybersecurity all the way through equity and fairness and physical safety, for most of these risks, you know, less than 50% of our respondents said it was even relevant. And of course, even if, as Bryce said, even a smaller percentage of them had done anything to mitigate against those risks. Now, certainly there are some organizations for which, you know, physical safety might not be, you know, an AI relevant risk. But if I look across all of these different risks that, you know, many people talk about, um, quite frankly, the, the identification of them is relevant and especially the mitigation of these risks. Um, again, there's lots more work to be done, I guess would be one way to put it. Let's turn to an issue that is on everyone's minds in terms of how the use of AI could play out in the workplace. There's there's obviously great fear of job loss and, and other changes that AI could bring about. Did we do any research around that? Or what are we seeing as uh, the effects of AI in the workplace thus far and, and any predictions going forward? Yeah, this is an, a place that you know we found to be quite interesting. Uh, you know, as you might know, we've published quite a bit in terms of what the potential is um, you know, for jobs lost, jobs gains, as you might describe it. But these the survey research gives us a view as to what individual companies are reporting that they're actually doing. So, you know, we look both in terms of what has happened in the past year as well as their expectations for the next three years. Um, understanding, of course, that's just an expectation. Um, what's interesting is in the past year, really a plurality across different sectors said, you know, relatively little change, uh, that in fact, there so far, not huge amounts of changes. However, we do see more respondents um, than in the past year saying that there, there potentially could be a decrease uh, in the size of their workforce for an individual company as a result of the deployment of AI. Now, that doesn't mean over the entire workforce that there'll be a decrease because there might be other companies or other industries or other jobs where we'll see increases. Uh, but that is interesting that, in fact, that we see, you know, broadly speaking, you know, little change in, in the past year um, and more of a sentiment, uh, people de describing a more of a likelihood of decreases uh, going forward. It's also interesting to see how that story varies across sector and then across function. So certain sectors, automotive and assembly, telecom among them, um, even um, consumer packaged good, travel, transport and logistics, those are the ones where this research shows can anticipate the, the largest workforce reductions in the next over the next three years. But then across functions, the story varies depending on the function. So the anticipated decrease in workforce levels in functions like HR and manufacturing and supply chain management, um, service ops as well. But then an actual increase in, in 
anticipated workforce in certain functions, including marketing and sales, including uh, you know product development. So it's interesting. This is not a uh, one-size-fits-all technology. It will impact different sectors and different functions, you know, in different ways. We anticipate based on this research. So given this variability in how AI can potentially impact the workforce and workplaces, what are things that the workforce can do broadly to kind of prepare for these expected shifts we're seeing? Well, one thing that, uh, you know, you could do in, in terms of trying to prepare a workforce is actually do retraining. Uh, what we do know is that what people do in their jobs will change as a real result of AI, and not necessarily that everything will be automated, but, you know, individual activities that someone does. But that means they'll need to do other activities. Um, and so, with, you know, that's been his the history, and that's what we expect to see going forward. We did ask our respondents about the degree to which um, they had actually deployed retraining programs, um, you know, as a result of their deployment of AI. I think here what we really found, which was interesting, is that another big distinction between high performers, those who are actually capturing the most top line and bottom line value from AI, and the rest. In fact, high performers have a much higher percentage of their workforce uh, that has been retrained and they anticipate retraining, you know, in the next three years. Uh, and so I think that's that's quite indicative of, you know, these companies that are really capturing the most value from AI are also recognizing that they need to retrain their workforces the most in order to continue to capture that value and stay ahead of the curve. I fully agree. L leading companies we see are, are, are doubling down on talent in, in various ways. So we see, particularly over the past two to three years, increased focus on developing analytics academies. So retraining current employees across a, a comprehensive variety of, of strategies, but including in-person courses, online training, um, for training for, for data science, for translator training, developing role-based curriculum for, for, for roles across the company, um, experiential on-the-job on training and mentoring, and then comprehensive war for talent strategies to identify what future roles will be needed and and if they aren't available uh, in the in the current company to to attract them and retain them based on what we've seen in our research over the last few years and our, our work with companies around the world when we look forward you know we're entering a new decade here it's 2020 what do you expect to see around AI's use in businesses going forward? What are some trends that we think we will see develop? Well, I think as we look at this coming decade, we're going to see progress against all of these different dimensions that um, you know we asked our respondents about. Uh, we certainly would expect adoption to continue to increase, you know, from you know less than a third of companies, you know, having adopted across different businesses and functions, um, you know, continuing up. Uh, presumably, we'll also see increasing uh, value capture. Um, companies have been successful in individual use cases. Uh, they'll add more use cases and, and capture more value. And, and presumably, also, they would start to adopt these core practices that are, you know, prerequisites for for capturing value at scale. At the same time, they'll need to understand and mitigate more of these risks. You know, I, arguably, these companies are far behind in terms of being able to understand, you know, the risks that are associated with AI. And then as these implications for the workforce do continue to, uh, to move on, as, as, as we do see people needing to do different things, we'll see more and more retraining of workforces um, going forward. I fully agree. On the, on the first point around broad adoption and scaling, if, if we think of the foundational trends 
that have led us to where we are today. So increased processing power, reducing cost of, of data storage, development of tools and platforms that, that enable the democratization of AI. We would expect all of those to continue. We, we see the, the high percentage of respondents say that they're actually even today able to capture value from increased revenues and cost reductions and increased anticipation of investment over the next three years. All of that leads us to say that the sort of broad adoption and scaling trend would, would continue. And then secondly, we've seen, as we've, as we've talked about, a pr proliferation of creative, innovative uses of AI, use cases. And each of those in turn op opens up additional opportunities, adjacent use cases for other companies uh, you know, across different sectors too, and in, in, in including more sophisticated AI capabilities that we anticipate will increasingly be adopted. And then third around the adoption and scaling point, we simply know more now about the core practices that need to be in place to actually land the change, to actually embed it across businesses, to manage change management. And so more and more companies will be investing in AI, but then actually be able to capture value from that. Well, this has been a great conversation, Michael and Bryce. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will definitely look forward to any future research you're doing in this space. Our pleasure. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. We're looking forward to it, too. And thanks, as always, to you, our listeners, for tuning in to this episode of a McKinsey podcast. Please do visit us at mckinsey.com to download other podcasts and interesting articles on AI and other business topics. Have a great day.